Starting up with Virtue Zone on Dubai Eye 103.8. Yes, Thursday. It's just after one o'clock, and this is what we do each and every Thursday. Uh, but we can't do it without you. We need you to share your thoughts and opinions, your questions, uh, or, of course, uh, any of your comments. You can text us at any point on 4001. You can WhatsApp us on 04871 5500. Um, I am here live in studio with Mr. Neil Patch, uh, the founder and chairman of Virtue Zone, is alongside me. Interesting one today. Should you be friends with your boss? Where do you stand on that debate at the moment? Well, you are my boss <laughs> and I am your friend, Tom, please. So, absolutely, you should. I think it's more the other way around. If you're a manager and you've just perhaps been promoted, you've got to sometimes differentiate yourself. You've got to move to being respected rather than being liked. And sometimes that with a fragile ego is a bit difficult. Um, we want your comments on this one. So as I said, you can text us on 4001 or WhatsApp on 04871 uh, Busy times for businesses here in the UAE. Busy times for Virtue Zone as well. New recruit to the team, is that right? We do. And, and he or she or they are a bot. OK. AskTaxGPT. Dot A-E. The world, Tom, not the UAE, the world's first AI-powered UAE tax advisor. Because on June the 1st, tax is coming. Of course it is, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you have um, broken a world first uh, a world, out there. A world first. And it's going crazy. It? Well, yeah, it's going up because obviously tax... You know, there's so many people. Are it? Let's find out if, if Sarah, by the way, our first ever Olympian on starting <laughs> up, if Sarah knows that tax is, is coming and, and uh, how that applies. Because so many people don't realize that even if they're not making over a certain amount of money and not making over a certain amount of profit, they need to prove that. So they don't get taxed. Well, we have it on very good authority that our first guest this afternoon uh, is a very nice boss. We've had that from the team already, but also it's a very successful one too. She comes from um, a challenged financial background, but has overcome not just that, also devastating injuries. Uh, and, of course, the trials and tribulations of business the world over uh, to secure her success in the health and wellness industry. Uh, here she is in the UAE, expanding her thriving business uh, from the UK all the way to the UAE. And along that way, a European gold medalist, two-time world silver medalist, and a 10-time British speed skating champion. Now, of course, a fitness icon and entrepreneur. Uh, she is the founder of Raw Fitness and a very nice boss indeed, Sarah Lindsay. Sarah, lovely to see you as always. Thank you for having me. You never hold back with those intros. I love them. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're keeping coming, that's for sure. Sarah, great to have you here in studio. As, would you consider yourself a nice boss? Is that important to you? Of course I am. I'm the best boss. <laughs> I think my, my industry actually is it's fairly casual anyway. Um, so it's always friendly. I think the, the type of people you employ have to be extremely positive and, and happy and driven and everything. So I think that just sort of lends itself to, to having a happy, um, happy workplace. But Sarah, do you have a smile that you can, you know, at the end of the day, you go back to your house, you're, you're knackered. Can you peel it off or just, is it there the whole time? Because you just the energy. I that do emanates. smile a lot. I'm, yeah. I'm happy. You know, I think yeah. when you, I know it sounds, I sound like a mad old hippie here, but when you physically smile, you feel happier. It's hard to feel sad if you're smiling. So I think some of that is just 
habit, the more you smile, the happier you feel, and then you end up smiling more. So one of the first things I say to everyone that joins Virtue Zone is if we can make it so that you want to get up and you want to come into work and you're enjoying, enjoying what you're doing, you're going to be so much better at it, right? So how, how, how do you translate that with your staff? I think, um, I think when you have you employ nice people when you employ people that care about other people and that want to go to work and be nice to each other you don't have to be best friends because not everybody has that chemistry or clicks necessarily but if you're good people you're going to look after each other so I think that's something that we always look for when we're employing people obviously you have to be well qualified and everything else but really when it comes to personality I want to be going to work surrounded by people that I like and and have that same you know positivity that I do as soon as there's negativity in the room I literally back out you know yeah. and you've but you've built that sort of positivity that culture if you like uh, uh, raw fitness uh, over in the uk and then more recently here in the uae what about the sort of what you learned along the way because as i mentioned there extremely successful sports career before you set up in business as well what did your sort of upbringing teach you about determination and drive that you took through your sports career and now into your corporate career well, I think that, I mean, that's a journey, isn't it? And I think that changes along the way. Yeah. And um, I think from my background, like I said, you know, we've talked about a little bit, but I didn't come from any money. Yeah. Um, and my parents sacrificed everything so that I could do sport. And I understood that that's what they were doing. They were putting all their money into me being able to go to the competitions and, and buy new boots and, you know, driving me all over the country and driving me to, you know, European competitions and things like that. So, I couldn't take it for granted. So I did, I had to do as well as I could and had to do my part. You know, they were putting everything to me, so I had to do the same back. So, um, and I think I, I got some of that from, from that experience. And then when you are competing on a world level and you're surrounded by Olympians and Olympic medalists and things, then that culture is already there and you're just following the way. So you don't have to create that yourself. If you didn't fit into that, then you probably wouldn't last very long and you wouldn't progress and you'd end up not on the team anymore. So, um, I think you learn a lot of that through sport and the translation from that to business has been huge. The resilience you need in sport from falling and you know hurting yourself and losing races and having to come back within sometimes 20 minutes. Mm. You know, you lose a race and it's devastating and you have to come back and be ready to go again mentally. So I think that resilience has definitely translated into that, business. That's one injury though, but I mean, you've had some serious back injuries during your career and there must have been some really dark times going, oh, hang on, am I ever strapping those skates on again, etc. To be able to sort of pick yourself up from long-term injuries and come back stronger and more positive. Again, is that something that you've been able to sort of incorporate into business a little later on? Yeah, don't get me wrong. I wasn't always smiling then. I spent, you know, <laughs> five weeks on a board. I had a horrible back injury one year and I, I spent five weeks on a board, five months lying down where I couldn't, I couldn't put weight on my feet or anything. And then I had the whole rehab experience, which was a year and three months before I could skate again. Mm. And I was actually told that I wouldn't skate again and I'd be lucky to walk properly again. So I think when you're told those things, you don't make any progress for months and months on mm. end. That's, you know, your world's over. That's all I wanted to do was was skate and um, and when that's taken away from you and just trying to keep the belief that you're going to come back because I I believed I knew better and I think they maybe they were telling me the worst case scenario to kind of cover themselves or prepare me for um, but I didn't I didn't believe it and obviously and that, that wasn't the case I did come back I was skating world record pace two years later I competed in another Olympic Games so I think some of that's just down to believing yeah. in yourself and trusting your gut 
You know, you can't listen to what other people say so all the time. they've changed this to the business side yeah. of things, right? So they say you learn a lot more from your mistakes than your victories. So you, have you had a business failure that has actually helped you grow on to something stronger? Yeah, and I think most, pe- most people that, or, you know, you talk to people about this, and there's, everybody has some kind of horrible story. I think mine is, you know, is particularly awful. Um, but I, so I, I did set up a bit. She's uh, so competitive. Even the awful thing has to <laughs> yeah. be better than everyone else. I don't want it to be because I know people go through go through a lot. You know, and it's all down to perception, really, how awful something ends up being. But for me, and I consider myself fairly resilient. But for me, um, losing my first business was a really was a really tough time, and that was that was another sort of dark period, if you like, um, where I you know I set up a, a sim- very similar thing. Um, the same concept, same idea that, you know, that we'd created, me and my, my partner, my husband. Um, and, you know, we registered the business. We, des- we came up with a name. We designed the logo. We wrote up the business model. Um, we found the property, negotiated the lease, hired all our friends. Um, and I had a previous business partner and the vision wasn't quite the same. And I was training somebody at the time and he... Um, he said, oh, I think you've got the wrong business partner. Because I talked to him a lot about this. He was very successful. And he said, I think you've got the wrong business partner. And he was very interested in investing. So in the end, I swapped investors and, and we went with this guy um, who I'd become really close to with training him for, for quite a long time. And we had, I mean, a bit of naivety, I think. It came out of sport and I had no business experience or anything. And, you know, I, I loved this person and I trusted them. And we had very quickly, we just had two different contracts, um, an ownership agreement and um, an employment contract. And um, the business was very successful. We did really well. You know, we got brilliant press and everything. And very soon, I think two weeks after we'd opened, they'd moved out to Dubai, actually. Um, So they had nothing to do with the business. They were never there. They weren't sports people. They were, you know, bankers. Um, And then we had, back then, it was slightly different. So you had no employment rights until you'd served two years' employment. So then... We went out to Dubai to celebrate the success, to talk about expansion and all that kind of thing. And then when we came back, we had, I think, just a couple of weeks before we'd served our two years employment and before um, we were signed in and was starting to get get dividends. Um, and then just, you know, literally out of the blue, lawyers came in, fired us, escorted us off the premises, took keys, laptop. Like, it was awful, you know, yeah. and I had a... Um, uh, I couldn't work. I had a gagging order. I couldn't speak about it. I couldn't tell. One of my best friends was my business manager on reception, was at my house on Christmas Eve, you know, um, and we never spoke to anyone again. So it was like, it was really hard. So we've got so many people listening to this who are starting things up and perhaps starting with friends. And there's a golden lesson, isn't there, is, is don't be ashamed to say to your friend, let's put all this on paper. Because then, you know, oh, it's yeah. so easy to remember things in a different way. Yeah. Well, yeah. even, you know, I mean, it, I mean, it was, you know, the contracts were there. They were checked over by lawyers. It all seemed mm. fine, you know. But and actually, in the end, we were obviously in litigation afterwards for a long time. And then in the end, it was, what are we? I and mean, if we'd have carried on going, I think it was quite clear we would have ended up winning half the business. Um, but what was I really fighting for? Did I want to stay in business with yeah. this person that was going to do this? So, um we just said, look, this is so negative and we don't actually want that. So we're going to have to start again. And that was tough, you know, tough to take a step back, give up everything you've worked for, your body of work. And, yeah. But um, along the way, you have acquired 
the secret sauce because oh, sure. Tom and I have been having a look at what you guys do and it's about the, the celebrities that come in, the energy that seems to be there. So why should someone come to Raw Fitness? Well, I think it depends what people want. We're known, we're known mostly for our results. You know, we have these incredible results. We have thousands and thousands of clients worth of results. and So that's very proven and tried and tested. And that really is what people come for. But we really look after people as well. You know, most people are coming to you in a, you know, often a vulnerable situation. They don't feel confident and they, they struggle to talk about why they're taking that first step. And that's the hardest bit. You know, they've sort of built up the courage to come in and get through the door in the first place. And they're putting themselves in your hands and they deserve the best service. They deserve to be looked after and you know we take care of every step of the way making sure they do achieve their goals and it's personal you know we we set that up because we love it you know this is you know who we are and what we do and what we live and breathe and there's nothing more satisfying than when people come in feeling you know lacking confidence or and it's affecting other things in their life to leaving feeling like a million dollars you know that's an amazing thing to give somebody confidence mm, yeah. so really satisfying <laughs> got to take a short break uh, sarah do stay with us uh, we want to share your journey from uh, sports into entrepreneurship uh, we're here with sarah Lindsay, the founder of raw fitness starting up with virtue zone this is Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business set up with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. This is Starting Up with Virtue Zone live here on a Thursday afternoon, 1 through till 2. Uh, Neil Petch in studio with myself, Tom Urquhart. We've been joined by the founder of Raw Fitness, uh, Sarah Lindsay, who's alongside uh, Neil and myself, a former European gold medalist, two times silver medalist, and 10 times British speed skating champion. That's Sarah, not Neil, on this occasion, unless you're telling me something I don't know at the moment. No, I, I'm going to go with no, I'm not an Olympian. Not an Olympian, yet. He does a good speed skating impression, though. Ah. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people do say please wear the silver and come second neil because i keep on claiming first but that's another story there entirely. we go another i have a line. question for sarah on behalf of thousands of virtue zone freelancers so there's all these fitness people out there who want to commercialize their business so how do you scale yourself how do you make your business more than just you I think you have to lay down the, the foundations for culture. So, you know, we have the physical sites. There's lots of obviously different ways of doing this, but we have the physical gyms. And I think I've spent years in each space and really developed the culture and made sure that, um, I mean, we speak to the senior staff all the time. So like we're daily talking to everybody and that's ended up being what, a big part of what my role is. You know, I used to have to do everything. I was, you know, very much on the gym floor and in the trenches and did hours and hours and hours like that. And then as it gets bigger, obviously you come further and further away. But for me, it's really important that you stay present with your team. All right. What do you think, Tom? I'm, yeah, but I, what I find interesting there is that when you talk the brand and the culture that you built in London and, you know, you talk to anyone in London, you talk to anyone in the UK, they know Raw Fitness. How, how do you transfer it to a new market like the UAE? Was it fairly... Well, it just took me, well, I have to come here, right? Mm. So we're, again, part of the building culture. So in London, if we open a gym, then people do know us. So Mm. I'm pretty confident that as long as we're in the right area, then we're going to be busy and we're going to do well. But here, it is that little risk. You know, you you go to another country. I didn't know anybody when I came here. Um, Obviously, you work out and you find out that you do know people, but I didn't know that I knew anybody when I came here. Um, And people don't know Raw. So, you know, 
you do have to build it again. But, you know, we started from scratch once. Yeah. So in London, you know, we started at one point and we just got the name out there. And, you know, I like meeting people and I like making friends. And I think it, it doesn't take that long. And that's part of... I'm doing things like this, you know. That's part of Thank business, getting out there. Net- <laughs> yeah, of course. Networking. Just saying market. yes to every invite, meeting as many people as you can. And everybody's on a health and fitness journey, you know, whether it's up or down and... Everybody is interested in that and you can help everyone you speak to. So everybody's got a question for you. And I think that makes people remember you as well because you give them a nugget of information or something that will actually help them in their daily lives. Then, you know, often they'll implement it and they'll remember you for that. And then when somebody else talks to them, they'll spread the word. So I think everybody tells other people and everybody that comes to us brings someone. So nobody comes to us and doesn't bring a friend or doesn't bring a partner or something because they're our marketing. They walk around talking about it and, you know, feeling good. And people ask them, you know, how they lost weight or how they got in shape and stuff. So and people want to share that. Yeah, but how do you do that? How do you switch off? Because, as you say, you know, if you're you're in the trenches, you're doing all the hours during the day, etc. And then you go to a dinner party at night and all somebody is chewing your ear off saying, oh, yeah, but I've got this bad back and I'll do sort that one out. Yeah, but it's who I am. It's what I do. Oh. I love it. I don't need to switch off. It's not this doesn't feel like a job to me. And that's where I've always been really, really lucky from my sport. People think you sacrifice so much to do your sport. And it's like, it's no sacrifice. This is what I want to do. This is what I've chosen to do. And it's the same with this business. This is what I love. So I'm not sacrificing anything. I love Mm. talking about what I do. And I love helping people. So it's easy. Sarah, just uh, diversifying a little bit. We had some VCs in last week. And and seems to be a lot of people are really uh, investing in the sort of biotech side of things and, and combining nutrition with fitness, and there's mm-hmm. all these stats, aren't there, about 80% of it is your diet or whatever. But apps, nutrition, is, is this going to be something that Raw are getting involved in? Well, so we completely look after people's nutrition already. So that's a big part of what we do. So when you come to us, you have your personal trainer, but you also have your nutrition coach and somebody doing your movement screening, that side of things. So everything is taken care of already. As far as apps go, I mean, in... In Kensington, I have um, a class concept, so a physical class concept where people can go and do classes, Mm -hmm. um, which is using weights. And there's also a camera at the back of the room that films the instructor. So I do have a platform where you can join in the class from home. So you only need a set of dumbbells and there's lots of just body weight workouts on there as well. They're all streamed live, but they're also archived. So you can do them whenever you want, whenever suits you. So we have gone down that road a little bit. And that was actually because of, of lockdowns that we started to build that. Um, which is really popular. It's a really nice, because it does feel like you're in the class. It's a great product. It's really, really good fun. But the people that really want to get the before and after, the results, they come in-house and we take care of it all. We are rapidly running out of time, which is, well, it's it's really sad because it's sad to say farewell. But I'm not going to do that until you tell us what's in the pipeline. What's next for Sarah Lindsay? What's next for Raw Fitness? I don't know. There's lots of options and we're always, we're always looking to grow, right? So we're at the moment looking at different areas and thinking about where we might want to be i don't believe in this five-year plan thing i just don't you know it changes it always changes so we always have ideas and i always keep them to myself actually but we focus really hard on making sure that what we're doing in-house and um is always improving i'm always looking at how can i make this thing that little bit better how can i look after people that little bit better so that's where our focus always is. And then these other things just pop up. The next thing just suddenly is there and you don't have time to think about it. You just go. Sarah, can't thank you enough for your time today. Thanks so much indeed for joining us. If people want to find out more about Raw Fitness, what do they do? 
Google Raw Fitness. You'll find it. It's all there. <laughs> it's all there. It's all there. R-O-A-R, though. Uh, roaring like a lion. Roar like yeah. a lion or a lioness. Quite right, too. Uh, Sarah, bless you. Thanks so much indeed. Lovely Thank to catch you. up with you yet again. And thanks so much indeed for being uh, our success spotlight today on Starting Up with Virtue Zone. Inspired, Mr. Petch? Roar. Look at you. You're listening to Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business setup with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Yeah, good to have you back with us here live on Dubai 103.8. It's your Virtue Zone hour, starting up with Virtue Zone each and every Thursday, 1 through until 2. Uh, Neil Petch still with us here in studio, uh, and we are going to move on to our next discussion point, the panel discussion, no matter how great of a relationship you have with your boss. It's generally not the best idea to be friends with them. Fair or not fair? No, I'm, I'm not going to go with that. Not going with that. I, I do think that when you recruit people, don't recruit people because you like them. Yeah. Re- recruit because if you end up with eight people exactly like you, you're going to learn in a minute when we start speaking to Rafi. If there were eight Rafis <laughs> in his company, my goodness gracious me, you've got to look for strengths that you don't have that complement yours. So from that perspective, yeah, perhaps respect, not like. There is a school of thought out there that it's not the best idea to be friends with your boss. That's certainly according to uh, Phoebe Gavin, a leadership and workplace coach over in the United States. who's been quoted uh, on CNBC uh, talking about that. She says a personal relationship can make things complicated when they may need to make difficult decisions. But we have seen friendships flourish between bosses and their staff. And it got us thinking here on starting up. Can you really be friends with your boss? Join the debate now. Let us know your thoughts. Text on 4001, WhatsApp 05, uh, 0487155500. In the studio to discuss this, uh, a man who's been with his group for, what, best part of the next last two decades, 18 years and counting, started out as a project coordinator, one of the youngest CEOs amongst his peers in the industry. Uh, now the CEO of Aldium Group of Companies. Uh, absolutely wonderful to have. Joining us live in studio, uh, Raphael Rafi Kanoyan. Uh, Raf, great to have you on with us this afternoon. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure uh, to be here. And alongside you, lawyer turned recruitment director, currently director, regional head of UAE Northern Gulf for Robert Walters. He's friends with his current boss, so we're told, and his old boss as well, so we're told. Uh, that's just how he rolls. Uh, lawyer turned recruitment director, Jonathan Berry with us as well. Jonathan, great to have you with us. Hi. Uh, uh, Raf, we're going to start with you. You're the boss. You're the boss in the room, okay? All Neil right. might like to think he's the boss, Neil but you're the boss. Neil always thinks he's the boss. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Until I step boss. in. <laughs> um, but you've seen it on both sides of the equation. You're beast to be staff, now the boss. Um, has, has, that, has the equation changed? Did, did, did you learn from <clears throat> your previous bosses of how to treat staff and vice versa? Oh, absolutely. Actually, I learned how to treat and how not to treat staff. Uh, I think every single person is different. You know, and, and part of being a CEO or COO, it, it's you become a little bit of a therapist at times. You're you're taking care of people's emotions a lot of the time, and and uh, it is different being one of the staff or being the boss, definitely. But I think the principles stay the same. Uh, unfortunately, I just don't think that we uh, in today's society are mature enough to be friends at work personally, mm. because when things go wrong or or tough decisions need to be made. Uh, it affects the business, and, and it's hard to separate business from friendship. I personally can be friends and go out after work and, and have fun with anybody, but 
when it comes to business, business, business it's not personal. That, that's a different world. Mm. And, and I think that, that makes it very difficult uh, for most people to be friends uh, and have those kind of relationships. Jonathan, your yeah. sort of take on the matter as well? I definitely agree to a certain extent. I think it's the word friendship. I think that's what we need to kind of look at here because within work, you need a level of respect 100%. You are working together to achieve something. You can still be friends whilst doing that as long as there is that professional divide. Outside of work as friends, hey, do what you want. Um, but I think as long as you've got that, the, the line in the sand and the boundaries that everybody understands, then, yeah, you can definitely still be friends. I'd say the thing, we've had a lot of husband and wife teams come on yeah. this show, actually, and, and there, are, there are advantages and disadvantages. And so what you've got to do is be aware where the weaknesses are. And so, for example, Sarah was just talking about it, get the paperwork right so that you know Definitely. exactly what your agreement is and you don't have to yeah. debate it a year later. You just know very, very clearly what it is. Trust, on the other hand, should yeah. be there an awful lot more. So take advantage of it. And yeah. if you're, you know, she was again talking about culture, if you've got that environment that people enjoy and part of that could be socializing, yeah. then that gives more energy to the company. Definitely. What about communication? Does it foster more effective communication if you've got a good personal relationship with the boss or not? A good personal relationship, yes, but I think the challenges can come in is the difficult times because if you are best friends with somebody and you need to have a quite frank, can be quite a mm -hmm. negative conversation, that can be when it becomes tough because for both parties, it can be awkward to be told what to do or redirected by one of your friends, but then on the flip side, as the leader and the boss, it's also difficult for you to have that conversation because it's like, look, I'm your friend. Let's put that aside for this moment because this is the conversation we need to have. Yeah, and I suppose, yeah. Raf, especially for somebody who's worked in big organisations as well, now, so yeah, a big organisation, if you've got those sort of friendships, that could cause a bit of jealousy within a workforce, couldn't it? Uh, there is that jealousy and they, they feel that there's favouritism. Yeah. I mean, I will admit it. I have more in common with some people than I do with others. Mm. So it may appear to somebody else that I have a better relationship with them. But in my personal situation, I don't. It's just... We get on. Our banter's better than perhaps, you know, yeah. this other guy. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that there's favoritism. Now, does that happen in every organization? No. And, and what you said is absolutely correct. It, it's hard to have the tough conversations. And it's hard both ways. If, yeah. if I have someone who I've actually brought into my personal world and became my friend, how can I tell that person? I can tell him he's done wrong or, or that he could improve here and there, constructive criticism. But if that doesn't work how do you release that person how do you terminate that person for the sake of the business without them taking it personally and unfortunately i've been in this situation multiple times in my career and and i would say it's 50 50 some of the people resent me yep. because i thought you were my friend well yep. i am and i still want to be but you know the business was suffering so i had to make a command decision mm. and others have respected it you know but i think that if you ever come to that tough point that that uh, you know you have to go your separate ways it's in communication is important don't send somebody to do your dirty work don't call hr call that person in you have a personal relationship right with thing. them you know if you do have a personal relationship with that person i think you should be man or woman enough to uh, bring them in talk to them tell them look this is how it is and, and that's the way i've practiced it so most of our my breakups quote unquote don't go so bad mm. and that comes back to boundaries again 
if you have that boundary set and you understand that, okay, this is purely the business decision, it's nothing to do with friendship, then as long as that's been outset from the beginning, yeah. that's your best chance of having those difficult conversations. <laughs> if it's been, you've let it go six months, 12 months, where you think you're literally just best friends and you're both there having a great time, the second you flip into that difficult conversation, yeah. it will not be well received and makes it 10 times more and difficult. And you're not being fair to them. If you're Agreed. actually holding back because they're your friend, yeah. then you're not giving them the right business opportunities. Definitely. And it goes back to the old phrase as well. As I'm, sh- I'm sure that it's not personal. And, yeah. and, and, and that there is a very different... It's um, not me, it's you. Let's hear it now from uh, Tara Chanowski. Tara is an organisational psychologist and a behavioural scientist. Uh, she says that being friends with your boss can make employees feel a little less lonely. But there are some considerations, I would say, um, that we see from individuals and organisations in terms of what could potentially be a positive, healthy friendship with a manager um, that may actually bring um, greater authenticity to relationships in the workplace. And remember, people are looking for that now. They're not necessarily looking for this day in, day out, clocking in and out of the role. They're looking for more, perhaps, depth, recognition, connection, as we move away from that post-pandemic era. Uh, so those are the thoughts of T- Tara Chernyowski, um, the organisational psychologist. Interesting they're talking about the sort of working together uh, elements, Rafi, as well. And again, this sort of, I suppose, feeds into a lot of what we've learned in the workplace in recent years with COVID and the way that sort of, that sort of disrupted as well. It, this idea of making decisions together... Um, how do you find that balance? If you've got friends within your workforce, you know, turning to them for advice, etc. Or again, is the CEO's decision final still and you still have that element of separation? Well, look, at the end of the day, the CEO is responsible. So, so the CEO's decision has to be final. Now, how you come to that decision, people do it in different ways. I'm, I'm very open. I like to take advice from everybody. I like to hear everybody's thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm confident enough in my abilities that I can filter out what is correct or incorrect or what is beneficial at this moment. So I do take my team's uh, advice, and, and not in all decisions, but in most decisions, and, and sometimes I veto it or go against it or, or whatever it may be. And, and sometimes, you know, we all make mistakes and you have to learn from it. Collaboration key? Yeah. I think a lot of this as well has just been the evolving workforce over the last, I'd probably say, 10, 15 years where it used to be the case where the boss or the CEO would be in a separate room and the door would be locked. Nowadays, we see far more CEOs, managing directors just sat on the floor with everybody else because it's all about openness, collaboration. I think kind of tech startups has encouraged that a lot. We get CEOs sat next to an analyst or an associate, whereas it used to be the case where there was very clear division. Mm. Um, And that just actively encourages collaboration, which I think is a great thing, but exactly what Rafi said, ultimately the final decision and the book stops with the decision maker, which is the CEO. So mm-hmm. however much information you've got, you're the man or woman who has to make that call. Uh, we are in conversation with our panellists. Uh, we're asking, can you be friends with your boss? This is Starting Up With Virtue Zone. 
This is Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business set up with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. And it, it is into the final segment and we continue the conversation. Can you be friends with your boss? A question we put to Toby Simpson, CEO of HR consultancy Striver. Is it a good idea to be friends with your boss? Well, friendships garner loyalty, transparency and mutual support. So it probably is a good idea to be friends with your boss. However, it may not be the best idea for your boss to be friends with you. Oh, turning it on his head. Uh, we're joined here in studio uh, by Rafi Kanoyan, the CEO of Al Riam Group of Companies, and Jonathan Berry, Director Regional Head of UA in Northern Gulf, at Robert Walters as well. Um, let's get another quick opinion before we continue the conversation here, because Shane Phillips has also been in touch with the show since we've been on air. He has heads up his own executive search company. Here's his opinion. Our motto in our company is to treat our staff like family and also to treat our customers like family. And I think that is a nice stalwart to have that keeps you out of any kind of trouble you might get into if you say, you know, this customer is was my father, my mother, or my uncle, how would I treat them? Or how would I respond to their challenge? And very quickly, you would have a response to that customer that will be quite positive. The thoughts of Shane Phillips as well. Uh, let's get the thoughts of our team down here as well. Um, su- suggestion out there, Rafi, as well, that being too close to your boss might stifle independent thinking or personal development. You've come too reliant on your boss and that friendship as well. Is there something mm-hmm. in that? Absolutely. Uh, and I've been there. So you start reporting to someone and you know what they like and what they don't like that, what they don't like. That may not be your opinion, but you know what they want to hear. Mm. So that can also kind of guide your decision-making or, or, or a presentation to make them happy because at the end of the day, they're paying your bill. But that might not be the right decision for the business. And because they get happy, they agree with your decision, you move forward, and then something wrong happens. Mm. So because you have that relationship subconsciously, you might be thinking, okay, this is – or you might not even know that. You might not, not be thinking. You just – come with that idea or that approach and, and it's just to make them happy where it's not the right is this the, is this the same across all industries jonathan or are certain rules for certain industries and certain organizations i think it's in it depends on the individuals i don't think it's an industry thing at all i think it's how close the relationship is with your boss and i think i mean we see some businesses we go into their forward thinking and it's very much as i said earlier the ceo maybe sat next to a junior whereas some businesses are still quite old school here and it would be very much there's a whole different level of respect and an elevation between the ceo and an individual and for them they wouldn't dream of talking to the boss in the way that i might do or rafi might do to somebody else so Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's not necessarily industry dependent it's just the individual's relationships boundaries Let's break some news, Tom. Oh, wow. Okay, let's break some news. The new sex symbol of a certain show that has housewives and Dubai in the title is sitting in front of us right now. <laughs> and so we've had 100 callers, Rafi, and, and the 100 callers who watch the show say, are you friends with your boss? And I think they're referring to your wife. Well, what they say is happy wife, happy life, right? I mean, there we yeah. go. That's the best piece of wisdom on this show. <laughs> Sounds like we've been looking for today. Yeah, I'm friends. Uh, good l- good luck for the I'm show. I'm cordial Rafi. with my wife. Cordial. <laughs> 
Uh, let's wrap things up with a bit of advice from you all in regards to uh, our big talkers today. Friends with your boss. We've talked about the boundaries. We've talked about the development. We've talked about uh, the, the, the things that can go in your favour, those things that can go horribly wrong. What's your advice uh, to uh, existing CEOs and would-be CEOs out there, Rafi? Communication. Just like I say to my wife, or just like we would tell another couple striving to, to be as happy as me and my wife, Neil. And Beautiful. <laughs> and uh, communicate. Be transparent. Don't, don't be scared to say the hard thing, the, the, you know, the tough, tough discussion. You have to have it. Uh, and, and don't hold back, even if it is your friend or someone that you care about in your business, because you're hurting them, you're hurting yourself, you're hurting your business. Rafael Kainan is the CEO of the Arium Group of Companies. Jonathan Berry's also been with us here in studio. Uh, JB, what's your advice when it comes to being mates with your boss? Echo exactly what Rafi said, but I would say, but have that conversation as early as possible. Mm-hmm. As Neil said, you're doing the people a bit of an injustice by not having that conversation as soon as you can. So set those boundaries, clear communication, and then hopefully everyone's on the same page. JB is the regional head of UAE in Northern Gulf, Robert Walters. And of course, final thoughts to the boss himself big as boss. well the big boss over there <laughs> advice mr p yeah i would i would say that the, the wife is always right but that's not what we're talking about is it <laughs> communicate as rafi said and communication involves two ears one mouth i hope you've enjoyed the show we're back again next thursday between one and two that's all we have time for this week's edition of starting up with virtue and big thanks to all of our guests big thanks to neil as well for joining us this afternoon uh, that was starting up with virtue zone the podcast is available online we'll see you next week